I didn't want this. But I had no choice. We always have a choice. You had a choice when you killed my uncle. My daughter was dying. I needed money. I was scared. I told your uncle all I wanted was the car. What is it? I need your car. He said to me, why don't you just put down the gun and go home? I realize now he was just trying to help me. I saw my partner running over with the cash, and the gun was in my hand. I did a terrible thing to you. I spent a lot of nights wishing I could take it back. asking you to forgive me. I just want you to understand. I've done terrible things, too. to be this. The only thing left of me now is my daughter. I forgive you. Spider-Man 3, the last of the good ones. <laughs> anyway, so um, one thing that stuck out with me on that video was uh, how Peter Parker, Spider-Man, said that he also has done terrible things, if you've noticed that, if you've heard that. It is, um, there's something about acknowledging the, um, the magnitude of being the recipient of grace. There's something about uh, acknowledging how much grace is shown to us. Um, if you read uh, articles about uh, ex-convicts, um, people who have uh, done terrible things and then receive forgiveness from someone, they, in turn, their lives are transformed. Um, like you hear stories of, being, of lives being transformed, of being uh, just, uh, even though they're in prison, that um, when people interview them, they, they are a completely different person because they've been, they've, they're the recipients of grace. 
something that they do not deserve, forgiveness that they do not deserve. They're recipients of it. So how about us as Christians? Because we acknowledge that we are recipients of immense grace, grace of a magnitude that we can never pay back. That's why it's called grace. We have been forgiven through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection on the cross. And so Jesus commands us to forgive. Why? It's because we have been forgiven. So there's, therefore, our topic today is about forgiveness because, as you know, we're going through soul care. And one of the biggest blocks of soul care, uh, in, in, not the biggest blocks, one of the biggest blocks of receiving the Holy Spirit to continue to transform us inside, in our lives, in our souls, is about forgiving others. Because many of us, actually almost all of us in this room, have been hurt by someone, have we not? I'm sure of it. Most, like almost all of us have been hurt, either by a friend, family member, coworker, parent. We've been hurt. And so, and then uh, sometimes we go, oh, okay, that's okay. Crunch our teeth, we hold it in, and it just ignore it. But we can't, right? It tends to continue to percolate and percolate and percolate. And then uh, and when we wonder, how come the Holy Spirit is not transforming us or working in us? It's because maybe we cannot forgive. The book offers saying that maybe because of not being able to forgive others, we're not freeing ourselves from that burden, from that uh, intense weight on our shoulders of just that bitterness that towards this individual, that the Holy Spirit, we're just preventing the Holy Spirit from being, because it's like we're providing, uh, he said, he likens it as, the author likens it as like a shield, where we create this wall where we want to block it, but we also block the Holy Spirit from working in our souls. You follow? And so that's why this chapter now, we are moving into forgiveness, of forgiving others. And so here's a statement from the book. And this is what we're going to unpack this morning. He goes like this. It is utterly absurd for us to hold someone in our debt in light of the remarkable forgiveness God has offered us. He has canceled a lifetime of sin against us at the cost of his precious blood. Who are we to hold a grudge when the mercy of the master does not move you to become a merciful person? There is something dreadfully wrong with your soul. There is a disconnect between your head and your heart. You have truths in your head that have not permeated your heart. You have doctrines you espouse that have not been experientially transformational. See, folks, this is a forgiveness is, is so key. It's the mark of us as Christians. Uh, if you ever read uh, uh, throughout all the Gospels, what does Jesus say most of the time? It's to forgive because you've been forgiven. Forgive so that the Father forgives you. Why does he say that? Because if we do not forgive, that's because we do not really believe that forgiveness exists. You follow? If we do not forgive others, we don't really believe that forgiveness exists. And if we do not really believe that forgiveness exists, how can we possibly be forgiven and receive forgiveness as well? Think about the burden. Think about the anxiety. Think about the weight on your shoulders when you, can, don't even, when you and I cannot even believe that forgiveness is available for us when it's already given to us. That's why the author, Ralph Reimer, goes, it is absolutely, utterly absurd to not forgive someone for, for if we have received the remarkable forgiveness of God. It is absolutely absurd not to forgive someone, no matter how much pain, 
no matter how much hurt, no matter how much abuse, no matter how much grief, no matter how much loss they have caused us in light of the remarkable forgiveness God has offered us. Okay, some images might have just popped up into your mind. Some people may have popped into your mind, right? Of people that may have hurt you, may have uh, um, caused pain, grief, may have abused you, possibly may have like, uh, verbally abused you, physically abused you, those people. And then this author says, Jesus says, it is absolutely absurd for you not to forgive them. Wow, that's hard, isn't it? That's really difficult. It's easy to say it. It's easy to bully, like just read it on, in scripture. It's easy, to, uh, it's easy to forgive those who do trivial things. I, like, it's very easy to, uh, I always forgive people who have misspelled my name. They always spell it with an H, J-O-H-N, and then at the end they go O-N, like, come on. It's like, <laughs> all right? But it's like, however, like those are easy to forgive, right? Uh, it's easy to forgive the CRA for screwing up my paperwork. No, not really. But it is, it is easy, like, you know, it's, it's trivial. However, how about those people who have abused you, talked behind your back, caused you great pain, caused uh, damage to your relationships with others? Those people. Well, here's the thing. If we continue to harbor unforgiveness, if we continue to harbor hate, anger, bitterness towards people, Jesus says this, you are giving the enemy a foothold. You're giving the enemy, Satan, a foothold. You're giving him actually permission, actually legal permission, people would say, in your hearts for him to take a foothold. And then when he does, that's how we are prevented from having the Holy Spirit change us. Here, let me give you an example. When I was uh, back in um, doing my internship, uh, as I was studying at Regent College, uh, I had the greatest opportunity to intern at a church. And it was a, you know, a ethnically Chinese-centric church, so which means that there's three services in three different languages. So there's, of course, there's the Mandarin, then there's Cantonese, and then, of course, the English, right? Some of you are familiar with these type of forms of churches. And then I was given the opportunity to not just deal with teens, to minister to teens. My pastor, who was a good friend of both Rosanna and I, gave me the opportunity to go directly to English adult ministry. So that was rare because not many uh, interns get a chance to do that. So I was given this wonderful opportunity just to observe and be a fly on the wall and just to see how it works. And <laughs> I must say, uh, once you be, uh, get into ministry, you get into the back end of things, like the internal struggles, I never realized that, and it was an eye opener, I never realized how much heartache uh, ministry can cause. Uh, heartache, headaches, <laughs> depression, anxiety, frustration. My friend went through a, a certain um, time period. I asked him for permission to, to share this with you. And he said, yes, and you just go ahead. Uh, there was a time of depression too. There's a time when his marriage was on the rocks because of this. Um, like uh, the church took a lot of his time, demanded a lot from him. One time they wanted him to change a light bulb, called him in the middle of like, you know, he was already with his family at a dinner table. And then they call him up, you gotta change a light bulb here. <laughs> right? Like, what is that, right? So then I looked at it, and then not only that, there was like people in this church, it was a big church, so there were people like questioning his theology, continuing to ridicule him on his sermons, like uh, tell him that you should be preaching with more enthusiasm or lose weight, right? Or don't slump at the front to sit. Man, they really made my friend miserable. 
right? And I saw that, and I'm like, what? And then actually, and then um, one time he celebrated his uh, 25-year anniversary, and it was that time that he finally hit the $50,000 mark for his salary. He never made past 50,000 throughout his whole 25 years in ministry at a mega church with 300 to 400 people in it. Like, I'm going, what? So here I am, you know, going to look at my friend and I'm getting irritated. Here I am, like, you know, observing this and I want to punch a few people in the faces, you know, and kick some people, you know, like, right? come on. But like, I'm telling my friend, why don't you take, like, you know, pray these vengeance prayers that in the song, you know, that type of thing, right? Why? Like, then I looked at my friend. I continued to observe and I think God, uh, God really blessed me with that opportunity to observe my friend because God used my friend to teach me. What I saw in him was immense grace. He didn't backtalk them. He didn't talk behind their backs. He didn't vent. He didn't vent his frustrations towards them. He didn't uh, vent even to me. He didn't vent to it. Like, uh, he would say, and then I said, how can you deal with these people, I said. How can you continue to remain joyful, though sometimes you do look uh, uh, stressed, but you still remain joyful, because there's a difference, right? You could be joyful yet still stressed, right? But uh, how can you remain positive? How can you, how can you not be enslaved like me? I'm enslaved in this anger that has nothing to do with me, has a lot to do with you, yet I'm enslaved by it. How can you be liberated? And what we're going through coming up uh, in the ne next few minutes is what he, said, what he told me, and amazingly, it's what's uh, said in this book. But I realized that this, my friend, there's a sense of, I look at his character, and I see gentleness, humbleness, he loves his neighbors. He blesses his, uh, the people that ridiculed him. And okay, so here's the quote that uh, we're gonna move on. And I'm going to explain how my friend dealt with this and how my friend acknowledged who he is and how much he acknowledges, how important it is to acknowledge the immense grace that we have received to be our anchor when things happen, when things come against us. So here's uh, uh, the point. The single greatest indicator that we have been affected with divine love is our capacity to love our enemies. It is the mark of the Father on our lives. So as Christians, as Christ followers, Rob Reimer says the single greatest indicator that we have been recipients of divine love is our capacity to love our enemies. All right? Here, let's say I'll throw some scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Go on to verse six, uh, chapter 6. And forgive us our debts, we also have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So what do you do when people have deeply hurt you? Jesus says, forgive them. What do you do? Like, and then Peter would go, how many times? <laughs> right? Maybe seven times? No. What did he say? Seven times, seven times, seven. Meaning, all the time. Forgive them all the time. See, don't get me wrong, and don't, uh, and don't you know, throw Jesus under the bus yet. You know, Jesus gets it too, didn't he? Right? Look, he was betrayed by his very best friends, the disciples. He was abandoned by them when, he was th uh, when they took him away. He was betrayed by Judas. Right? Peter betrayed him three times. Right? And when he was on the cross, Jesus on the cross, 
when the Pharisees spat at him and said, you know what, Since you, if you're God, you could come down right now and just forget this whole thing. You know, what did Jesus say? Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. So Jesus even on the cross prayed for the very enemies that put him on the cross. So what do we do then? We have to understand, first, Jesus also gets it too. Oh, you've been hurt? Jesus says, you've been through, put through the ringer by somebody? You've been mopped by the mop the floor? You've been used as a mop on the floor? Well, guess what? I feel you. I can relate. Let's do this together. I'll give you power to forgive that person. Because we get, uh, we get hurt and offended, right? Like, um, I'm sure Rosanna and I, when Annabelle hits her teens, we'll get hurt and offended by her. And she will get hurt and offended by us. We're not quite sure why or how, but she will likely tell us that she, she got hurt and offended as well. We get offended and hurt by our parents. We get offended and hurt by our coworkers, customers, and bosses, right? We get, uh, we get hurt and offended by our friends and our rude neighbors. Well, that's life in the fallen world. However, our mark as a Christian is the ability to forgive them because Jesus forgave them. And Jesus has been through a lot worse. Jesus has been beaten, backtalked, backstabbed, and crucified. Yet he prayed, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Because if we continue to, if we do harbor hate, if we continue to harbor bitterness, if we continue to not, being, uh, uh, not forgive others, well, again, like I said, we are giving permission for the evil one, Satan, to take some residence in our hearts. And then, you know what? Um, that's why at the final chapter, our final session of Soul Care, if you haven't read the book and haven't looked ahead, it's breaking demonic influences. It's because it's for those of us Christians who may have harbored unforgiveness, bitterness, and actually allowed a demon to actually reside in our hearts without us knowing. Okay, but we'll get into that when we get there. Right? But this, uh, but today, let's talk about more about forgiveness. So the disciples asked, "Okay, Jesus, right? Like, how many times do you have that we have to forgive?" He said, seven times, seven times, seven, all the time." And then, uh, and then also Jesus said, "Pray blessings over your enemies." And then Peter goes, huh? <laughs> right? Are you kidding me? Right? Um, this person used me, exploited me, spent my money, <laughs> right? Used up my resources and just does nothing around the house, does nothing for me. And you want me to forgive them? And then he starts with a parable. He goes like this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. Oh, by the way, parables. When he begins with, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is... Guess where he's thinking the kingdom of heaven is? Here. That's why he gives life principles to, for us to live out so that the breaking of the kingdom can come, right? So he goes like this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, 10,000 bags of gold means a lot of money. 40 years of salary, apparently. Okay, so if he owed that much money, this guy had no idea what Visa cards work, right? He has no idea how Visa cards work. Like, oh yeah, this is free money, yeah, <laughs> right? But he didn't. 
And as he began, so since he was not able to pay, of course not, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Wait a minute, that's not what he asked. He just asked for some time extension. But the master said, no, I'll cancel your debt. Okay, that's huge. Right? Just think of the impact here. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now these silver coins, hundred silver coins, is only a month's wages. Okay? So that can be paid back. All right? Now his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Oh, funny, that's the same thing that what the original guy said. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancel all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So why should we forgive? First, because we are forgiven on a daily basis. Why does my friend forgive? He tells him, because, John, I am forgiven. His first response back to me was to acknowledge a truth. And I think that's a, a case for all of us. Anytime we feel that we've been hurt, we feel abused, and we want to lash out, the first and, first and foremost is to review the gospel. Sing a song. Go in solitude and worship. Listen to some worship music. Read passages. Pray. If you're at work, uh, you're, you could be like my friend uh, back at Best Buy. Sorry, I shouldn't have plugged in that. Oh well, that's for Vivian. <laughs> like, uh, my friend one time, uh, he's a, I know he's a Christian, so because uh, uh, how I knew was when uh, our vendor uh, really ticked us all off you know, by doing something really bad behind our back. Uh, my friend was like, he knew that his personality gets a really flustered really quickly. So then what I noticed him, he always books a meeting room. And I asked him, why do you always book a meeting room? Right after, a, like a, you know, when you feel flustered, when we have a bad day, he goes, because I need to pray by himself. He immediately books a meeting room, takes his pod, iPod, back then, there were still iPods, and then listen to worship music and pray for 30 minute meeting room bo booking. And that's what he does, just to get realigned and review the truths of the gospel, that he was forgiven. And there's my friend said the same thing. First things first, remind yourself who you are in Jesus. Loved one, child of God, forgiven by God. All right, that's the first thing. Because if we are covered by Jesus' blood, in order to forgive others, we have to acknowledge the immense grace that's already shown on us. Listen to a song, a worship song. What Gary uh, led us uh, through a song just recently by David Crowder. Great song to review. Every time you feel flustered or hurt by someone, just play that. Remind yourself of how much grace was already shown on you. Because the servant's attitude, the first servant's attitude, the first guy, he should have showed immense joy and gratitude, right? He didn't ask for a cancellation of the debt. Remember, you never asked for a cancellation of a debt with God. We never did, right? But Jesus canceled it through his blood. 
And that is why we too need to be showed, we need to show God immense gratitude and joy, and therefore pour out our joy and gratitude towards others by forgiving them. Why else should we forgive? Because we don't want Satan to, say, to get a foothold in our souls. And that is huge. Bitterness gives Satan a foothold in our lives. Remember what happened to the ungrateful servant again. He held bitterness still towards the servant that still owed him money. Now remember, this servant, the other servant, his servant, that owed him money, it didn't you know, just, owe, just suddenly owed him money. Remember, this was a consistent debt. It's sort of like my um, <clears throat> owner who is <laughs> residing in one of our units in our townhome, and he's uh, like owing us a lot of strategies. Right? And we're always wondering, how come we're always back in our cash balance, right? We're not liquid because this dude keeps on withholding, right? And so then it's like it continues to build and our bitterness continues to build, right? If we do not, uh, uh, so as the bitterness continues to build, guess who we're allowing in our hearts? We're opening the gate, we're opening the door for Satan to come in, to reside, to have a buffet in our heart, to just say, like, thank you. You know, he's, he's just there. So, you know, depression, uh, resentment, uh, bitterness, anxiety. That's, we're literally allowing the devil to take a foothold in our heart, giving him space. Here, Satan, have our couch. You know, and as he does, and uh, guess what else happens? Well, we have, we can now then transpire out of with compulsive behaviors then. If you notice that when people are bitter, we, really, we notice that people, that has, or even a loved one, when it's bitter, and uh, when they're bitter, they start to be, have compulsive behaviors. Drinking, or, uh, or spending, uh, spending really, like just spending, or uh, taking painkillers, or watching TV too much, et cetera, et cetera. They use a lot of outlets to try to just cope with that behavior. Yet, really, it's the bitterness, and we have to forgive. We have to be able to allow the Holy Spirit to move us, to give us the power to forgive. Last point. And I'm going to show a, vi the, a video clip of the videos that you guys are watching. And I thought this one was really helpful. So, Pat, can you play that? Years ago, when I first started in ministry, I had some guy that really didn't like me. I have no idea why, because I hadn't even met him by the time he didn't like me. Like, I do a lot of things that someone could not like me for, but this one, I hadn't met the guy, so I'm not sure what I could have done to make this guy not like me, because I hadn't met him yet. I had never talked to him, but uh, one day I walk into the office, and the secretary in there comes over to me, and she says to me, um, do, do you know, and I'll just use this name, Jim, and uh, I said to her, no, no, I, I don't know Jim. I, I've never met Jim. And she said to me, oh, she said, I was at a restaurant today, and Jim told me you're in an adulterous affair. I'm like, who is Jim? I don't know Jim, but I want to get to know Jim. I said, I haven't been here long enough to get in trouble yet. I barely know anybody besides my wife. I said, who is Jim talking about me for? I mean, I was, I was pretty annoyed. So I'm thinking, I, you need to show me Jim, okay? And then the church had multiple egresses, you know, different entrance, exit points. And so I hadn't met this guy. I'd only been there a month. Um, another week or two goes by, I still haven't met Jim. And somebody else calls me on the phone one day. They said to me, hey, do, do you know Jim? I'm like, no, I don't know Jim but I'm starting to get to know Jim. And they said to me, oh, you know, I was talking to Jim the other day, and he, he said you stole money from the church. I'm like, I, I don't have access to the money. I said, do you think they give me access? I don't have any money. I said, that's ridiculous. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to know Jim. I mean, the day is coming. Jim and I are going to meet. So this 
keeps going on. I keep hearing stuff like this. One day the district superintendent, you know, sort of the bishop of our denomination, calls me on the phone. He says to me, hey, listen, I got a phone call the other day. He said, do you know Jim? I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, I'm getting to know him by reputation. I still haven't met the guy. I've only been there a couple months. And uh, he, he said, listen, he goes, this guy's done this before with other people. He said, I don't know what he, what he has against you, but he's got something against you. And I said, you know, I haven't even met the guy. He goes, I know. And he goes, listen, I, he goes, I, I think the guy might actually be mentally ill. But he said, I'm just telling you, I'm calling you because he said, he's out to get you and you need to watch your back. Well, I hung up the phone. I got to tell you, I was seething mad, man. Now he's trying to get me fired. I mean, it's one thing to tell me lies about me, but it's a whole other thing to try to get me fired with lies. And I was so ticked off. And I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to pray, but you know when you're really angry and your mind keeps racing and you can't shut it off and you're having imaginary conversations with people in your head and they don't sound very nice, you know one of those? And I'm in that mode, and I'm wrestling with this stuff, and all of a sudden the Lord speaks to me, and he says to me, Luke 6. And I thought, oh, I, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me to forgive this guy. I mean, this guy's a bum. I don't want to forgive this guy. And I'm like, you don't really mean that stuff, Jesus. I mean, you don't really want me to pray blessings on this guy, do you? And he, of course, immediately reminds me of Jesus himself being on the cross and saying, Father, forgive them. I know not what they, you know, they know not what they do. And I thought, oh, you got to be kidding me. I said, can't we pray the imprecatory Psalms? You know, those are the Psalms that David prays in the Old Testament. God, get them, you know, make their children suffer you know I thought that's the kind of psalm I want to pray and he's like you need to bless him so I started praying blessing now this is the truth okay I did my best but you got to know I'm not feeling very kind-hearted towards this guy but I was obedient and this is what I said I said Lord I will pray blessings on this man not because I want blessings for him I will pray blessings on this man because I love you and I trust you and so I'm going to obey you but you need to know I don't mean a word of it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm willing to mean it. But you've got to do something inside my heart because I can't mean it right now. And so I said, so here it goes. I'm doing my best. Oh, God, I pray you'd bless Jim. I don't know how, but I pray his wife would like him. I don't know how his wife could possibly like him, but I pray she might like him somehow. I pray his children wouldn't turn out to be idiots like he is. You know, and this is the kind of blessings I'm playing on this guy. But you need to know, I prayed for this guy every day, day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, without stop. I finally met him on a Sunday morning. You know, he, he'd pass me at church on a Sunday morning. He'd walk in and say to me, oh, pastor, it's so good to see you. And he'd shake my hand and act all friendly to me. And I'd think, you dirty, rotten. I'd want to kick his heel on the way out the door, you know. One day, he walks past me in church. And when he walks past me, he shook my hand. Oh, it's so good to see you. And I felt this overwhelming love fill my heart for him that I knew was completely supernatural and not of my own. And that day I learned an incredibly invaluable lesson, and here's the lesson. If you do what God tells you to do, he will do what you cannot do. He will change your heart. You cannot change your own heart, but you can obey God in faith, and in the process of obedience, he will shift the makeup of your heart. And I've seen this happen over and over and over again. Every time someone sins against me and I'm struggling to forgive them, I will immediately and reflexively pray blessings on them. 
Every time I'm about to think about what they've done to rehearse the offense or to have an imaginary conversation with the person in my mind and tell them off, I will use that as the trigger to pray a blessing on them. And when I pray blessings on them, my heart begins to shift. What I can tell you is this. I've done this countless times at this point in my life. And if I die tonight, I die with no end. Thanks, Patty. Uh, I want to close right there. But anyway, I got one last word. <laughs> so let's summarize. Uh, so just like my, my, like my friend said, uh, first thing, what do you do? When you're hurt, when you're abused, or when somebody uh, just, just hurt, and you feel this <coughs> immense anger or bitterness, first remind yourselves. Set aside some time. Make it a habit right now, maybe, to uh, each day to set some time to uh, remind yourself who you are in Christ first. That you, are, are, you yourself is a recipient of immense grace. That you've been forgiven. Second, don't allow Satan a foothold. Right? And how? What Ron Reimer said on this video, pray blessings. Pray. Pray blessings on those who hurt you. Because here's the quote again that he, uh, he said, and I love the quote. If you do what God tells you to do, this is why Jesus actually commands, like always commands, forgive those who have hurt you. Forgive your enemies and pray blessings on them. That's a command, right? So if you do what God asks you to do or tells you to do, he will do what you cannot do. He will change your heart. He goes on to say, often we wait for God to change us before we obey. We pray, God, you need to change my heart so I can obey. That's like the disciples saying, oh, we can't forgive people. Increase our faith. Same thing. But really, that's not the way it works. God calls us to obey him, even when our hearts are not yet aligned with him. And as we step out in faith, with our eyes on him and trust in him, as we do what he tells us to do by praying blessings on those who hurt us, he'll do something that we can never do to change our hearts.